الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد فقد قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم وكان الله على كل شيء مقتدرا وقال عز وجل وما كان الله ليعجزه من شيء في السماوات ولا في الأرض إنه كان عليما قديرا وقال عز وجل لو يشاء الله لانتصر منهم ولكن ليبلوا بعضكم ببعض وصدق الله العظيم All praises to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and may his peace and blessings be upon his servant and messenger, our master, Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who is the greatest of Allah ta'ala's blessings to all of his creation, the ins and the jinn, the animals, the heavens, the earth, this world and the hereafter, who is the pride and the joy and the happiness of anyone who keeps faith inside of their heart, not only of this ummah, but from the time of Sayyidina Adam alayhi salatu wasalam until the last person who knows the divine name and says the divine name, Allah, Allah, leaves from this earth. The question of blasphemy has come to me a number of times, especially in light of this uh, case that is uh, now uh, shook um, both Pakistan and the world um, in regards to what should be done with a non-Muslim subject of a Muslim uh, 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 sovereign uh, uh, polity um, in, in, in response to that non-Muslims uh, cursing of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or blaspheming, blaspheming of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and uh, this is a very it's a very important issue and it's a very sensitive issue from many different sides because it involves dealing with the sensibilities with regards to the sacred both for Muslims as well as for secular-minded people who may claim that they don't have a religion but they do hold uh, certain things to be moral morals and virtues that are uh, non-negotiable with a type of religious fervor. And so issues like this are very sensitive because um, because they make people, different groups of people, head toward uh, conflict, uh, conflict, a type of conflict that's irreconcilable without some sort of violence or without some sort of, um, without some sort of chaotic uh, response, which is something that uh, all people of common sense, whether they be Muslims or not, uh, wish to avoid at all costs. And, you know, the, the, the issue is this, is that um, both the worldview of Islam and the worldview of uh, the kind of dominant hegemony of liberal secularism, um, both of them basically espouse an exclusive claim to truth, um, a, a, an exclusive claim to truth that, that excludes all other than them. Uh, Islam making such a claim openly and liberal secularism uh, not necessarily being cognizant of that claim, but, uh, but uh, keeping uh, the, the belief that its claim to truth or its claim to enlightenment is um, somehow, uh, somehow manifest and, and self-apparent 
um, and and uh, uh, it's manifest how it's supreme over all other claims, and how its claim uh, engenders for its followers the right even to violence in order to uh, in order to establish it in the earth. Um, obviously, if you say everything is true, uh, or every person has a right to say or do whatever they want, then um, you enter some sort of paradox because if a person uh, says that, that no, people don't have the right to do or say what they want, um, then you have not given them the right to do or say that. So, uh, you know, from a rational point of view, it can go to certain places that are that are uh, irrational, but that's not necessarily what, what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about the case of Asia Bibi, who was a, uh, a, a a Christian woman from Punjab, who was accused of cursing the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in a dispute with other manual laborers, farm laborers, um, and the case. There's so many weird and messed up things about the about it uh, at so many different levels. Um, it doesn't surprise me that it's this entire thing has become such a mess. And I don't know the specifics of the case in the sense that I haven't like gone deep into it and investigated it, but I just wanted to give some comments uh, with regards to the general concept uh, of blasphemy and what it's you know what the what the punishment is for it in the Sharia and why. Um, but the specific case is really messed up on on so many levels. So supposedly, um, this Christian woman from Punjab, and in Punjab, you know, for for those of us who are from. Uh, the Indian subcontinent, particular in Punjab, Punjab has a a, a fair fair sized Christian community, and uh, many of them were from the uh, from from the caste of of of, of sewer cleaners and garbage collectors um, in Hinduism, and on mass during the British uh, colonization of the subcontinent, they became Christian. Um, whether it was out of sincerity or out of some sort of desire for social upward mobility by identifying with the colonizer, uh, Allah Ta'ala knows best what's in the hearts of people. But at any rate, they, they, all, um, they all became Christians at the same time, so much so that the, the word for that caste or class of people uh, in, in Punjabi, which is, uh, it's not a really complimentary word, so I don't want to say it right now because I don't want to repeat what's essentially turned into a racial epithet. Um, the word for that caste of, of, of cleaners, um, uh, uh, of sewer cleaners and, and garbage uh, collectors, um, has now become, I mean, it's become, one of the meanings of it has become Christian. So a person, by context, you'll know if that, that word is used, whether they mean some Somebody who is a, a collector, a garbage collector, or, or, or cleaner, or uh, whether they are a Christian by context, uh, and people people now use it interchangeably for the two of them, and uh, um, the uh, uh, Muslims in the Indian subcontinent, most if not all, I wouldn't say all, but a great majority of them, there is still some latent caste consciousness amongst them, even though majority of them are converts from. Hinduism um, to Islam, and thereby, therefore, they should have left their castes behind uh, uh, with their Islam. But there is still a caste consciousness uh, amongst them. Uh, and the really weird part is even like the Sadat, the Ahlul Bayt of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the Ashraf, the people of noble lineage and descent uh, from Quraysh and from the other tribes of the Arabs, um, they 
they they they still have a caste consciousness in the sense that um, they moved into the Indian subcontinent, which had a caste culture, and so um, they they I guess fit in by by showing their 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 upper casteness, for lack of a proper way of saying that. And it, it just gets really strange. It gets really weird. Um, and suffice to say that, uh, you know, a lot of the manifestation of caste is, is utterly just a remnant of, of, of jahiliyyah, uh, amongst the Muslims. And so what happened, what happened is that, uh, supposedly in, um, in, 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 in Hinduism, upper caste people consider it to be like, uh, uh bad, bad luck, ill fortune, or, uh, you know, a, a sort of a, um, uh, something that destroys the baraka in an upper caste person's upper casteness, um, that they should eat and drink from the same uh, utensils that someone from a lower caste uh, should eat or drink from. And so what had ha- supposedly happened is that this woman um, drank from from some vessels and then filled them with water and then gave that water to drink to these other uh, Muslim women. Uh, um, and all of them are farm laborers. So it's like it's not like any of these people, even if 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 the Muslim women considered themselves to be from a higher caste, I mean, all these people are dirt broken, probably all illiterate and uh, uh, not, you know, none of the above are in any sort of like enfranchised position within society, uh, because such people don't, you know, don't don't do farm labor. Uh, so the uh, uh, you know they they apparently some row broke out between them because the Muslim women were upset that this Christian woman had drank from the vessels that they then drank from. Um, and that upsetness obviously has n- no root in our deen, uh, where you can share vessels to eat and drink from from all sorts of different people. But unfortunately, I've witnessed this even in the houses of the Ashraf and the houses of people who pray five times a day uh, in Pakistan, that um, the servants, they won't let them drink and eat from the same vessels and utensils. Rather, they'll have a separate set of utensils marked um, marked for the servants. Um, and when asked, like, why do you do that? That's like an old Hindu custom, and you're obviously Muslims. Um, some of them even claiming to be Sadat from the Ahlul Bayt of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They'll say, oh, no, no, well, you know, those people may be sick, or they may this and that and the other thing, so we don't want to get sick. To which I'll reply, you know, why don't you just wash the dishes after after they're done, uh, which is what everyone else does, because surely uh, it couldn't be more dirty than the dishes that have been sitting there the whole night. Um, but uh, it's just something people won't let go of. So these women apparently had a row with one another. They fought, with, they you know got into a fight with one another, and uh, in in a cor- in the course of that argument, where uh, undoubtedly uh, this Christian woman's uh, nesab and lineage was probably um, attacked and impugned, uh, she supposedly said some curse about the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam back, and uh, this caused the entire thing to get out of hand. And uh, then a mob apparently got a hold of her and under force of duress forced her to admit um, that she cursed the Prophet ﷺ and blasphemed him. And uh, um, then she was, whatever, the case was lodged against her and then she was found guilty in one court and two courts. And then uh, finally uh, uh, um, the, the the verdict was overturned in in. in, in, uh, in in uh, a higher federal court 
and now uh, a great number of people are up in arms in 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 Pakistan uh, who has a really horrible record of their judiciary being influenced uh, by the military and by foreign governments uh, um, the Raymond Davis case having happened a couple of years ago where a private contractor or intelligence officer of the United States of America literally like ran over with impunity in a, a SUV, a large SUV, several Pakistanis, and he more or less got off scot-free and was allowed to leave the country um, uh, despite his impunity because of uh, pressure from the outside. So there's already a sensitivity to this issue. And when the, the, the person of the Prophet is, is, is at question, then the Muslims are even more sensitive with regards to that. And uh, uh, there has been rioting in Pakistan um, and even possibly murders in Pakistan uh, in, the, in the last uh, couple of days uh, with regards to this case and regards to this idea of uh, did the high court uh, let off a blasphemer of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or not. Um, and then the question arises that is it true that the blasphemy of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is a capital offense uh, in, in the law of the Muslims and is it true that um, such a law also applies to the non-Muslim subjects of a Muslim country and uh, you know what's the deal how did these two you know all these pieces fit together so I wanted to start with uh, with a couple of mentioning a couple of things one is that it's true in the uh, Maliki school the person who curses the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that when, once that case reaches the judge, uh, the judge, uh, uh, if he, he is to establish that this thing happened with proper evidence, uh, be it uh, a, 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 uh, the testimony of upright witnesses or be it uh, iqrar, which is the admission of guilt from the, uh, the defendant, uh, or, uh, you know, be it through other uh, material means like a recording or something like that. Whatever means is used to establish guilt in such a case. It's true that not only is that person, uh, has, have they committed a capital uh, offense, um, but there's no toba in it. There's no istitaba. Neither are they asked to repent, nor if they repent, will that repentance be accepted by the court. It may be accepted by Allah Ta'ala, uh, on the day of judgment, but it will not be accepted by the court. And there's a lengthy discussion of that and why that is um, uh, that you can find in the books. Uh, the idea being that the haq of the Prophet ﷺ is the haq of the of the creation and it cannot be forgiven except for by its people. And uh, in this case, the people who forgive are the uh, inheritors of the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, which is the entire ummah. Uh, and so in that sense, to get forgiveness from, from all of them is not possible. Uh, so both in a usuli sense and uh, uh, also in a, a, a type of logic that appeals to the iman of the believers, it's not, it's not to be forgiven and that person is executed. In the uh, uh, Maliki school, it doesn't matter whether it is that subject is a Muslim or a non-Muslim. And it's important for people to understand because there's a lot of like, Fox Newsy and scaremongering going on around. This doesn't mean that somebody cannot say that they don't believe that the Prophet ﷺ is a prophet uh, or uh, cannot refute his claims to prophethood or uh, it's well known you know, to us that, that there are many amongst the Jews and the Christians who uh, billah, uh, and, uh, the Messenger of Allah ﷺ is, is uh, uh, absolved of 
of any uh, connection to their claims, but many of them believe that he was uh, not telling the truth uh, in his claims. And uh, that's that's understood. That's not what the shatam is here, right? Because when we say blasphemy, uh, I guess people think about it in a Christian or in a Catholic sense. Here, uh, here blasphemy means sub or shatam. It means going out of your way to curse or speak ill uh, or denigrate the Prophet ﷺ, which is different than saying, I don't believe in him or I don't believe he was telling the truth or I don't think that he is a messenger of Allah or etc., etc., from the, from the, the you know, the, the beliefs of... Uh, non-Muslims, which are known, it's known that they believe them. Uh, and may Allah Ta'ala uh, uh, pardon me for mentioning it, but you know, naql kufr kufr nabash, uh, to uh, uh, relate the words of kufr of another person is in, is in and of itself not, not, not kufr. Uh, at any rate, the idea is this, is that, that that's not what the sub and shatam is. Here the sub and shatam is going out of your way just to denigrate the Prophet ﷺ and just be nasty about it, just being foul about it and, 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 and just doing it on purpose to hurt people's feelings. That in our, in our, uh, uh, in our sacred law, it is a crime and it is a really severe crime. And in the Maliki school, even if a non-Muslim subject of, this, of, of, of a sovereign Muslim polity were to do that, then they would also be subject to the same penalty that a Muslim would have had they, had they uh, uh, done the sub or shatam of cursing of the Prophet And just like them, there would be no istitaba, nor would there be any toba accepted. They would not be asked to recant, nor would that recanting be accepted, except for in the case of a, uh, a non-Muslim who um, accepts Islam in front of the judge, that person would be, uh, would be uh, uh, absolved and let go of their uh, let go of their sin. They're not asked to become Muslim or demanded. It's not demanded of them to become Muslim. But if they should happen to accept Islam at that time, Al-Islam ma qablahu, the act of uh, accepting Islam will, will erase uh, uh, those things that come from before. And for that reason, that is a way that, 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 that the, the punishment that the Malikis consider a had, they consider a, an immutable and unforgivable uh, divinely mandated punishment that that it will be uh, that it will be absolved. But the Maliki position on this issue is far from the only position uh, in 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 the you know in the in the different Sunni schools of thought, and it's known that the Hanafi position uh, is that uh, that the Qadi has the prerogative to, or at least the classical Hanafi positions, the Qadi has the prerogative to punish uh, uh, such a non-Muslim for their. Uh, uh, for their extremely poor judgment in cursing the Prophet ﷺ. But the judge is not obliged to uh, order the execution of, uh, of such, a, such a person. And um, it's very interesting, a number of people, including the brother Ismail Royer, uh, who uh, have written papers or written, uh, uh, you know, to the effect of, well, look at Pakistan, they're, um, executing non-Muslims who uh, um, curse the Prophet ﷺ, or at least that's their, their their civil code. To my knowledge, they haven't to date executed anybody um, who cursed the Prophet ﷺ. But at any rate, um, you know, they say, oh, look, these people don't even know the Hanafi school. And uh, with all due respect, uh, uh, all of the people, uh, the Madrasa graduates and others like Brother Ismail uh, that have said this, uh, I don't really see that they have the amount of the requisite amount of study 
uh, or mutala'a, uh, review of the of, of the of fiqh text to be able to make such a claim uh, in any sort of uh, uh, in any sort of scholarly way or with any sort of thoroughness. And the proof of that is is that all of them will quote Ibn Abidin, um, which who is a a muhaqqiq and a murajjih of the Hanafi school um, in the 18th century. Um, in his in his claim, uh, you know, at places, I mean, it's actually his text is ambiguous, but at places that uh, that the the madhhab of the mutaqaddimin is that that the uh, uh, that 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 dhimmi is not um, automatically necessarily executed for his for his, uh, blasphemy and sub and shatam of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The fact that Ibn Abidin isn't the only word on the Hanafi madhhab. Um, if we put it to, to the side for a second, um, the Indian subcontinent has its own fatwa collections and it has its own fatwa traditions, a tradition, and it, it, it had its own, its own empire through which, uh, um, through which the Hanafi fiqh was turned into qanun and, and it was the law of the land. And, uh, you know, the Bhai Ismail, his uh, paper that he wrote, um, quoted absolutely no uh, subcontinental Hanafi source, and uh, it's known uh, that uh, the the uh, the Hanafis of the subcontinent, their local tradition was what was uh, uh, on this issue the same as the uh, as the Maliki position, and this has been a a precedent that's been held in our lands for uh, for centuries, and um, the the Hudud ordinance. Uh, with regards to, with regards to sub and shatam of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the hudud ordinances in general, um, they have a lot of administrative uh, issues. That the the way that they're implemented, there's a lot of issues in them. However, the actual text of the code was written by the ulama themselves, and it's actually relatively accurately written. It's relatively as fidelity to to um, the established uh, traditions of the Indian subcontinent with regards to uh, with regards to these issues. So, kind of uh, like English language, poor researched, like done. Uh, uh, newspaper type claims that somehow the British are the ones who originated uh, uh, the punishment uh, for blasphemy in the Indian subcontinent. This is all nonsense. It's from people who don't read uh, classical Arabic and don't read uh, books of fiqh um, that, ha- you know, the Indian subcontinent has had its own tradition of uh, for centuries. Um, you'll look through even Bahai Ismail's uh, bibliography for the paper that he wrote. There's no subcontinental, um, there's no subcontinental uh, uh, source that's even cited over there. Um, and so if you read uh, Hashim Tatwi uh, uh, or uh, you know, look through al- the Alamgiri, Tatarkhani, Qazi Khan, the different uh, fatwa co- collections which were uh, compiled under imperial uh, under imperial patronage uh, during the Mughal Empire. Uh, none of those books have even been cracked open or cited. Uh, rather, Ibn Abidin, who is writing halfway across the world um, in a different tradition and diff- with, the, with a different set of precedents, um, he's the one who's being quoted in order to somehow make it look like uh, uh, the 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 code uh, uh, and the qanun in the subcontinent was written by illiterate uh, yahoos or fanatics or or whatever. And this idea of the the, the fanatical mullah is it's a complete trope. Um, and, uh, you know, my experience is the only people who hold it are people who are like fanatical, 
fanatical modernists. But khair, we, we digress. So the idea is that this is a part of the sharia uh, um, and it is within the ambit of difference of opinion. Both that, the, 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 the dhimmi, the non-Muslim subject of the sovereign uh, uh, Muslim polity, um, that that he, that such a person is is killed without uh, without uh, opportunity to re- recant their statement or repent from it, and it's also an opinion within the ambit of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah that uh, that person is not necessarily killed, but it is the purview of the Qadi that that such a person should be killed. And uh, look, the idea is that. You know, cursing the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, it is essentially undermining the uh, it's undermining the uh, uh, society and the the civilization of Islam, the spirituality of Islam. That a human being uh, doesn't listen to uh, you know someone being cursed again and again, except for it makes them lose respect for that person. And this, ha- this, the fact that the U.S. Constitution or that modern secular democracies at least bandy around as if, you know, uh, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, and there's absolute f- freedom of speech, but words will never hurt me, so we have absolute freedom of speech. This is actually not true, and it's interesting when the Charlie Hebdo uh, issue happened. Oh, in uh, 2015, uh, some reporters went to the Pope and asked him. You know, like, wasn't it horrible what these, you know, like Yahoo Muslims did and, you know, shooting up the uh, uh, Charlie Hebdo and things like that. Thinking that, you know, the Pope is the Pope. He's, uh, at the end of the day, he's the highest uh, authority of Western Christianity. Um, and uh, so he's going to, you know, get in a cheap shot on, on Muslims. And the Pope gave a really interesting response. It was the same Mario Ber- Ber- Bergoglio, uh, uh, Pope Francis. Um, he basically pointed at his papal legate who was standing right next to him. And he says, look, even if this guy uh, said uh, something about my mother, I would punch him. Meaning what? Um, there's something human about, you know, someone you love and someone you revere, um, not accepting, uh, you know, garbage being spoken about, uh, about, about that person. And I think, you know, Muslims who are true to themselves as a human being and true to themselves in their iman, they understand that, and that's one of the reasons that was there's such an incredible emotional and cathartic release happened when this Habib Nur Muhammadov had his fight with McGregor because we we know we're sick and tired of people just mocking our deen. And the, the, the issue is not this, that we establish the, the supremacy or the truth of the deen through killing people who disagree with us. Um, rather, it's quite the opposite. Muslims have, uh, from before the idea existed in Western Europe, um, not only allowed but l- legally enshrined the right for non-Muslim subjects of the state to, um, to, to, to say what their point of view is with regards to religion and what they believe and why they believe it, even if that belief includes them not accepting the Prophet ﷺ as a prophet or not accepting him as truthful or whatever. But there's a line that's uh, crossed, uh, that's drawn that shouldn't be crossed, which is mocking him and, and, and jeering him and denigrating him uh, uh, as, if, as if he has no respect whatsoever. And uh, that's, you know, that's, that's something that uh, uh, 
you know, I guess Muslims and, uh, you know, people who believe like in the religious uh, sense with religious fervor, believe in secular liberal democracy are just going to have to agree to disagree about um, because the locus of their disagreement is actually quite similar um, when 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 analogously looked at, uh, uh, you know, with respect to what the actual speech is that they will tolerate and what actual speech is that they will not tolerate. Uh, and that's why, you know, we have uh, this idea that you can send an army to go in and destroy uh, sovereign nations and kill innocent people as uh, as collateral damage and drone villages, etc., etc., because we're, quote-unquote, bringing democracy. The idea is that, that there are certain matters of speech that are uh, that are you know that are things that people will kill for, and there are just different reasons for different people doing them. So that's that, and uh, all I can say is if somebody doesn't uh, feel the pain and suffering in their heart, um, whenever they hear of someone denigrating the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Um, that person is mahroom but from a great portion of iman because to stay sticks and stones will uh, break my bones but words will never hurt me the pope the pope even doesn't accept that so how can someone who believes in allah and his rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam and believes in the last day how can they accept that so i wanted to i wanted to read uh, uh, a um, excerpt from a maliki fatwa in the al ma'yar al mu'rib from the qadi abul hasan al qabisi rahimahullah ta'ala who was asked a series of was asked a series of questions. Uh, sorry, not the Qadi. He was Sheikh Abdul Hassan Al Qabisi, one of the Fuqaha of the of, of, of the Western Arab lands. His uh, fatawa appear in the Ma'yar Al Mu'rib, a canonical collection of uh, fatawa and uh, court verdicts. Um, in response to a judge uh, to whom uh, a man who cursed the Prophet Sallallahu is brought and the testimony is uh, rendered against him in a way that, that proves uh, that he, he did curse the Prophet Sallallahu and then that judge instead of, uh, instead of giving, the, um, giving the verdict that he was supposed to he said just take him to the Amir and have the Amir deal with him you know have the Amir decide his case meaning essentially absconding on his case and so he talks about you know he talks about you know what the details you know in which situations is that appropriate in which situations is it not appropriate what should happen uh, when the case actually gets to the emir etc so in his kalam in his in his words in this verdict um he he writes uh 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 ولا خير لها في بقاء بقاء يسب فيه نبي نبيها فلا يوجد من يغضب لذلك أعوذ بالله من القيام في زمان يكون فيه البلاء هكذا. Uh, so he mentions that that the the qadi when you know and it's interesting because the from the from the the, the text of this hukum this judge himself realizes how precarious the situation is that a man should be killed just for his words and uh, uh, he he in some ways seems to sympathize with this qadi that it's difficult for him to uh, execute such a uh, such a verdict 
And uh, he says that, but let that, let that judge and let those people who carry this case um, seek help uh, in, in, in implementing their verdict um, through every person who uh, wishes to have the shafa'ah, the intercession of this uh, unlettered prophet, the seal of the prophets, Muhammad, the messenger of the Lord of the worlds to all uh, 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 of mankind who has a mercy to the world. Because he says that the ummah, there's no life left in the ummah and there's no good left in it uh, to exist uh, uh, in a world in which uh, its Nabi is cursed and there's nobody who even gets upset about that. And he, he seeks refuge in Allah Ta'ala from uh, ever, uh, ever being alive and having to uh, witness uh, such an age that uh, is struck with such a tribulation. And I read this the first time, I almost wept because I said, look at these pious people, mashallah. They made this dua and it was answered. And we made this dua and Allah Ta'ala has chosen for us to have to see and witness this age. So I say, I bear witness to you that anybody who doesn't get upset and angry about the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam being cursed, they may be a very good citizen and they may... Uh, you know, get get uh, a lot of uh, uh, shabashes and be lauded on the Huffington Post or God knows what, but uh, uh, but there's no there's no iman in, in, in such a person, there's no khair in such a person, there's no good in such a person, and he actually gives, uh, you know, near the end of the same fatwa, uh, uh, um, uh, 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 he gives he gives uh, words of tashjir of encouragement. He says, "Faida balaga." and he says that uh, once the, the case is, is proven and it gets to those people who are uh, 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 who are responsible for um, for 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 carrying out uh, uh, for carrying out the due uh, process after such a case is established, then he quotes the book of Allah Taala. He says, "Wakan Allahu ala kulli shayin muqtadira." Remember that Allah Taala is able to do all things. Wa ma kan Allahu liyajizahu min shayin fi al-samawati wa la fi al-ardi innu kana aliman qadira. That uh, nothing will overwhelm Allah Ta'ala, neither in the heavens nor in the earth. And He has all knowledge and He has all ability. Uh, and He says, And Allah Most High, uh, majestic is His mention, uh, said, so If Allah Ta'ala wished, He would have uh, delivered His aid and His victory uh, 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 against, the en- against their enemies. But Allah Ta'ala wishes to test some of you with others. It says, uh, uh, And it says that know that there, there were those who were tested um, in the past who were put through tribulation uh, with a tribulation like this. Uh, um, and they were they were unable to they were unable to find help in order to uh, uh, in order to implement uh, uh, what was said. Wallahu musta'an, and we we seek our help from Allah Taala. فَتَدَبَّرُوا جَمِيعَ مَا وَصَفْتُ لَكُمْ فَإِنَّ فِيهِ نَصِيحَةٌ جَامِعَةٌ لِلْخَاسَةِ وَالْعَمَّةِ جَوَابًا شَافِيًا وَجَوَابًا شَافِيًا فِي مَا سَأَلْتُمْ عَنْهُ وَبِاللَّهِ تعالى التوفيق. So he ends the 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 the, the, the job there. So the idea is this is anyone who says that uh, you know this is not part of our 
this is not part of our tradition. Uh, such and such a person is uh, either speaking from ignorance or lying through their teeth. It is part of our tradition, and uh, uh, it, you know we 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 believe in it. Now, what does that mean for you and me? Uh, does that mean that any time someone uh, says something you know uh, disrespectful about the Prophet ﷺ, if we have iman, we're just going to go kill him uh, or her? Absolutely not. In fact, the, the siyak of the, the, the fatwa is such that the only person who can, who has a prerogative to implement such a, uh, uh, implement such a punishment is uh, the person who's vested with sovereign authority on behalf of, on behalf of sovereign power. And uh, that's why, that's why uh, Abu Hassan al-Qabisi was uh, uh, saying what he said about such a judge, that that person was vested with sovereign authority and he weaseled out of we- wielding it properly. And such a person at such a time should not be weak, rather they should seek help from uh, uh, from those who believe in Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa and seek assistance through Allah ta'ala and trust in Him in, in, in carrying out the execution. Uh, as opposed to somebody who's not in sovereign authority, we in the in the in, in living as minorities in lands that are not ruled by the Sharia, we're not in sovereign authority. And uh, those who live in the Muslim lands but aren't judges or uh, you know officially uh, deputed by the uh, government in order to enforce the law, you're not the sovereign authority. So you can't just go and kill people or destroy property or make a mess out of things, which is exactly what unfortunately. Unfortunately, unfortunately, a number of people in uh, Pakistan have been doing, which is rioting, looting, uh, uh, rampaging, uh, causing harm to others. In some cases, possibly even killing people and assassinating people, possibly even making takfir against people, saying you know, anathematizing and saying that people aren't Muslims. Why? Because they don't hold the opinion that the non-Muslim dhimmi who curses the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is uh, subject to a mandatory death sentence without the possibility of of recanting and forgiveness. And uh, look, I don't even I don't even subscribe to the school that says that. Nor do the, the does the majoritarian opinion. Nor does the president of the sub, subcontinent subscribe to that school. But it is a valid school from amongst the people of the Sunnah. And uh, to say that uh, somebody who holds a different opinion. Uh, from the valid opinions of the Sunnah is a kafir for holding such an opinion is obviously a very dim-witted take and it is uh, it is not uh, the way of the Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah and it is uh, not sound methodology neither in Aqidah nor in um, nor in uh, um, nor in Fiqh and that's exactly what's happening over there uh, uh, in Pakistan is that there are groups of people who claim to be lovers and ushak of the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam um, and uh, uh, they're just going on a they're going on a vigilante rampage, destroying property, possibly killing people, calling for the blood of people, making takfir of different people. Why? Because they uh, they I guess ostensibly just don't agree with their opinion um, in regards to this matter. I guess what Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Tahawi, a great number of the the, the great fuqaha of the Hanafi Madhab didn't agree with you. And uh, you know I don't I, I like I said I don't even agree with their 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 opinion. However, to say that they don't have the right to have it or that whoever holds that opinion is somehow in manifest error um this is this is a uh, this is itself a, a manifest error and you know there's there's a lot of problem going on first of all this case of of uh, of this woman 
is you know was the the testimony against her uh was it correct or not or was it taken from the coercion of a mob um you know did she really you know what were the exact words that she uh that she used against the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam uh even if it's uh if it's you know thabit if it's if it's uh, established that she said something against and that was it shatam or was it just her expressing her uh, christian beliefs um and you know what's the line between the two of them and what's the intention of the law and this is something really important for people to understand look pakistan is not pakistan i mean it's a nation state that definitely weaves a mythology of being established on um on on islam and for islam etc etc but like you know the reality is is it's somewhat of a chimeric freak uh in the sense that uh, many of the laws that are on the books and the mechanisms for enforcing those laws uh, are not native to the sharia rather they're native to european not even european to, to british common law um and so in Islamic law, the qadi is a mujtahid. The qadi is a mujtahid. He's neither uh, neither forced to or required to uh, make taqlid uh, following a particular madhab, nor is he allowed to. Rather, every verdict that he gives, he has to be a mujtahid and he has to look at the circumstances and at the sources of deen and put them together in order to craft a unique verdict or ruling in every case, which is uh, not from taqlid, not from following someone else's scholarship, but uh, 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 you know, based on his own uh, uh, learning as a, as, a, as a master of the sharia um, and, and as a pure expression of what the ruling of Allah and his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in a particular case is. Which means what? Which means that the qadi actually has purview to look at circumstances and give different uh, different rulings in different cases and so you have to ask yourself as a mujtahid as a qadi you know is the reason that 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 uh, uh, you know that the 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 ruling of qatl is handed down of death the sentence of death is handed down in the cursing of the the, the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is the reason of it to settle the squabbles of uh, uh, illiterate uh, uh, farm women in 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 their weird caste uh, 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 in their little caste squabbles with one another over who drank from what glass of water, or is it in order to protect and establish the honor of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that uh, he shouldn't be ridiculed to the point where people uh, uh, lose respect for the mention of his name sallallahu alaihi wasallam amongst the, the the Muslims and amongst their sovereign uh, their their sovereign uh, governments and their civilizations. Um, and and that question, a qadi not only is allowed to, a qadi is obliged to ask that question and he can give a ruling according to his ijtihad in that situation that's not bound to any madhab rather he can give any of their either of those two rulings whichever would be more appropriate and i would suggest without myself being a mujtahid or being uh, worthy of being the qadi the judge that perhaps it's possible in such a case where this uh, woman who's probably illiterate um, and, and, and she got into a fight with these other illiterate women over something which is a vest, vestige from the days of Jahiliyyah and otherwise has no record of anti-Islam uh, 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 or anti-Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam animus um, that a, a qadi, if there was actually a sharia court uh, there, the qadi would have taken care of this case before it became famous and well-known and in the four uh, corners of the earth. I know the earth doesn't have corners, it's just an expression, but they would have taken care of this case and ended it before then without anyone having to be killed or whatever. It would have just been settled with some sort of hikmah. But what do we have? We don't have a, a, a sharia court with a qadi. 
We have a Western court that doesn't function on ijtihad. Rather, the judge is a glorified magistrate and the judge is not somebody who looks at the law holistically in, in, a, in, in, a, in, in a British court. Rather, uh, the, the, the law is dictated to the judge and the judge is obliged to dispassionately put on the blindfold and uh, weigh, has this law been broken, yes or no? And then uh, uh, very mechanistically throw out, uh, uh, throw out a response. And you know the problem with with dispassionately doing things is good because you're uh, you know you're not uh, you know you preclude or reduce the amount of possibility for um, for being inconsistent in the application of the law or being unfair. But the problem is this: when you have blindfold on, you can't see what's going on around you, um, uh, and so you know you will meet out the letter of the law with a great amount of efficiency. But the spirit of the law is essentially a, a you know a collateral damage in that whole process, and so you have this uh, you know these judges that are western trained western system western uh, 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 when i say western i mean literally like british judges enforcing uh, 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 laws that are you know interpreted through the lens of the british common law um, essentially now forcing this legitimate law of the sharia in a case that it may not even be appropriate for and it may actually be a vulm uh, and the fact that the law is written so well uh, uh, from one point of view, uh, doesn't allow the judge to consider that there are different points of view uh, with regards to this law. That that, uh, that that the subcontinental tradition and the Maliki tradition uh, is not the only tradition. Uh, so either you have two, you know, you have a false binary. Now you have a whole country that's like upset, and a whole Muslim world and a whole world in general that's upset with this false binary. You have two choices: either you throw away the blasphemy law and let every idiot crow on the corner, uh, whatever their stupid ideas are with regards to Allah and his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa thereby undermining the uh, uh, entire uh, fabric of the state. And, uh, you know, the thing is that the, the Muslims have a mandate to rule according to what they see as best and Muslims see Islam as best. So you say, no, no, no you cannot rule according to Islam because of this one issue that, uh, uh, that's been muddied up because of poor administrative uh, execution. Or on the flip side, you have this uh, gang of like Labbaik Ya Rasulullah dudes that are like, just going around uh, essentially making takfir of everybody and killing everybody and all of them, the fact that they're Sufis and they carry uh, tasbis in their hands uh, are not stopping them from essentially acting like ISIS and making takfir of the prime minister and making takfir of ulama that don't agree with them or making takfir of ulama that may even actually agree with them but are politically allied with the prime minister. So it's kind of like takfir by association or by contagion. Uh, but they're going about uh, making uh, takfir of other people all on a case in which it's not even established properly whether or not shatam of the Prophet ﷺ was made. And even if it was, it, it should be clear to people that the context of it is not uh, uh, the deliberate undermining of, uh, uh, of the civilization of the Muslims, but something that happened in a, a essentially spat of jahiliya, a spat of like uh, uh, the bad practice of cultural Hinduism by, by uh, two groups, one Christian and one Muslim, which makes the entire thing so nonsensical and have so many layers of nonsense. And my wish would be that, that, that uh, the ulama in the subcontinent would uh, speak with clarity about this issue, but I feel like there's a sensitivity. They know that this case is not 100% right, but they don't want to admit that the 
there's there is leeway for the judge to forgive such cases because they're afraid that uh, Allah knows best. But it it seems to me that they're afraid that perhaps if they let that cat out of the bag, then uh, uh, the the type of political uh, 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 the type of political zajar or d- deterrent uh, for people saying something ill about the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Perhaps they're afraid that that's gonna that's gonna leave. The problem is now uh, Islam is being bandied around as uh, um, as uh, as barbaric. And I really don't care, honestly, like what a non-Muslim thinks about Islam. I mean, I care about my non-Muslim friends and neighbors and that their rights should be observed and that we should treat our neighbors well and we should be good to them and we should render their rights to them and we should, above their rights, be good as good to them as, as, as we can. That part I care about. I don't care about whether or not they, you know, what their, what their feelings about Islam are. Um, you know, if they accepted it, they would have been Muslims anyway. So, you know, just like... Um, just like uh, I wouldn't want them to like hate me because I believe something. I just what their thoughts and you know what are their thoughts or their ideas about Islam are. They just really they don't they don't bother me all that much. What bothers me is what is that that because the media, which is an arm of a soft arm of power uh, of this kind of postmodern liberal uh, hegemony that that certain countries have imposed upon the world. Um, uh, they're using it as a way to convince Muslims that somehow there's something wrong with Islam, and many Muslims are really genuinely in uh, in doubt uh, with regards to that insinuation because the abject murkiness of this this case and the, the sheer like number of like layers of of just nonsensicalness in this case, and somehow the blame of all of it is being heaped on Islam, uh, even though uh, colonialism, the leg- legacy of colonialism, and the legacy of uh, of uh, essentially a, a post-colonial puppet state that bandies around as you know God's uh, representative of His religion on the earth, where it's you know it is a Muslim country and there's a lot of good in it, even for Islam, but it's definitely not. Uh, you know, whatever the ideal uh, state that it claims to be, that people say Pakistan ka matlab kya, la ilaha illallah, that was the meaning of Pakistan, la ilaha illallah. Well, you know, we have to have a little bit of of, of, of humility when we say stuff like that. I know Pakistanis don't like to hear that uh, because of their patriotic fervor. I myself am of Pakistani origin. The thing is this, if Pakistan means la ilaha illallah, uh, as I once asked my father, uh, who was not happy that I said this, I said, if Pakistan means la ilaha illallah, what does it mean that you left it and that you immigrated away from the United States? What does that mean? Um, the fact of the matter is Pakistan, like all other fallible entities in this world, makes make mistakes. And so it shouldn't look at itself as being this infallible uh, manifestation of God's will on the earth uh, and nor should others judge Islam based on it because there's nobody who's the infallible manifestation of God's will on the earth after the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and so uh, and no community has the right to that mantle except for the totality of the ummah um, that in the totality of the ummah at any given time, at least somebody is going to be on guidance. So that doesn't even mean that the totality of the ummah has that mantle, but in the totality of the ummah, some part of it has the mantle for, for, for some part of uh, uh, for some part of the deen at all times that between them you can reconstruct at any given time a, a complete Islam but uh, you know uh, a lot of these 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 issues that boil down to stuff that has nothing to do with Islam now all of the, the burden and the, the guilt for all of that wrongness is being heaped on the deen and it's causing people to doubt their own deen and want to change it into something that it isn't and I'll tell you uh, uh, the idea that, that uh, a society is there where 
where uh, uh, the one that Allah Ta'ala sent as a mercy to the world and as the only source of deliverance and salvation on the day of judgment uh, through his teachings and through his shafa'ah, through his intercession, uh, for us to say open season, anyone can say whatever they want to about him, despite the fact that it's, uh, you know, you're going to go to jail and you're going to be punished for screaming fire in a theater and you're going to be taken to jail for saying that I'm going to beat you up to a person uh, or you're going to be taken to jail in some cases for denying the Holocaust and all these things. And no one should do any of those things. But I'm saying if those types of speech are protected, but somehow the foundation of our life in this world and the hereafter as Muslims is not going to be protected in a Muslim majority country. That's that's just ridiculous and unreasonable. Um, and so may Allah Ta'ala give all of us tawfiq to... Uh, you know, to, to be able to think through these issues clearly and to see them clearly with a level head. Love of the Prophet doesn't equal acting irrationally. Love doesn't equal acting irrationally until, um, until or unless you are already mentally incapacitated in the first place, in which case we will institutionalize you and we will love you and take care of you and give you the help that you so richly need. Um, but we're not going to look at you as a model for what we uh, consider to be deen. Um, uh, and uh, uh, on the flip side, uh, because such people exist, we're not going to say, oh, look, you know, anyone can say anything that they want to uh, at any time, because truly nobody believes in that. Not even uh, secular liberal democracies believe, believe in a type of absolute freedom of speech. Uh, and uh, and we're not going to blame these issues that are human issues that have to do with colonization and nationalism and all these other you know caste you know caste uh, uh, rivalries and caste uh, mutual hatreds and all these other things we're not going to we're not going to put that on 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 Islam they're not part of Islam and they're not Islam's fault and if we practice our Islam well hopefully we can try to work through those things and get beyond them but they're not they're not what the deen is uh, Allah Taala give all of us so much tawfiq and may Allah Ta'ala protect us by not putting uh, our fitna in our deen and may Allah Ta'ala protect uh, the Muslim lands uh, from such types of strife um, that, that people should get to uh, you know fervor, pitched fervor um, where they cannot find solutions to their problems and they resort to violence and things like that Allah Ta'ala protect us from those things and give stability and peace and calm uh, to the Muslim lands and give people a, a type of respect and honor to the sanctity of human life and safety that has hitherto been uh, unfortunately and depressingly elusive uh, for the last uh, several centuries. Uh, Allah Ta'ala uh, give all of that tawfiq uh, to the people in the Muslim lands and Allah Ta'ala protect us wherever we are, we're in America. Allah Ta'ala protect this land also and give it safety and peace and aman uh, uh, because in that aman and that safety and in that peace people uh, can see the beauty of Islam and it can spread to people as well. And if, you know, if it spreads to them, great. And if it doesn't still, you know, we pray for peace and safety wherever we are for ourselves and for our neighbors. Allah Ta'ala, uh, Allah Ta'ala, uh, protect inside of our hearts, whether we live in the Muslim lands or not. The uh, reality is all of us are going to die one day. And all of these feuds and disputes and fights and PR, Vective, media, etc. All these things are going to end. And we're going to all have to give answer in front of our Lord to what we did with our lives. And the only thing that's, gonna, uh, that's going to buy us salvation on that day is Iman, is faith. So Allah Ta'ala vouchsafe the reality of that faith inside of our heart that we never leave it or abandon it or compromise it for anybody to make anybody happy. That we prioritize the happiness of the Lord and the Creator over the happiness of the creation. Uh, Allah Ta'ala protect this Iman in all of our hearts, whether we live here or there or wherever uh, we live. And Allah Ta'ala give it to our friends and neighbors who live around us as a 
uh, as a gift for their ihsan and their goodness toward us uh, in this life. And may Allah Ta'ala give all of us the tawfiq of saying, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. My humble request that I made from before, I make it again, that when you see the, the ummah going through these difficulties, that we all look and uh, face the qibla, make wudu and make tawajjuh toward Allah Ta'ala, our concentration focused toward Allah Ta'ala, and we turn to Him in repentance, and we cry out the prophetic cry of La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu min al-zalimeen, there's no God except for you, uh, glory be to you, exalted are you over all other things in your perfection, uh, indeed I was one of the transgressors, which is the cry of uh, Sayyidina Yunus Jonah, Salam from the belly of the the, the whale um, uh, through which he attracted the the the, the divine aid uh, to get him out of tribulation and difficulty uh, that we we do that also for ourselves and for this ummah that we call upon him so that the tawajjuhat and the concentrations of his mercy and his deliverance and his salvation in this world and the hereafter uh, should 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 touch and honor uh, every uh, forehead of, of every every believer in this world uh, and in the hereafter as well that we, that when these overwhelming types of situations happen and Pakistan is by far not the only place that's going through difficulty our brothers and sisters in 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 in, in Turkestan what the Chinese call Xinjiang the Uyghur speaking brothers and sisters are going through difficulty our brothers and sisters in Burma and in Bangladesh and in India where uh, you know uh, you know, one Christian woman is, uh, even if it's dubiously, but she's accused of blasphemy and her life is in danger and the entire world erupts into chaos. Our brothers and sisters in India are getting uh, killed uh, with impunity for the suspicion of eating beef and uh, it seems that nobody cares. In Burma, they're killed for being Muslims. It seems that nobody cares. Uh, what's happening in Syria and Iraq and Yemen, those are even more shameful because those killings are happening at the hands of different Muslim powers that are using the the, the, the poor and the sincere and the humble people who say La ilaha illallah as their playground for their political machinations against one another. Uh, Syria and Iraq and Yemen, Egypt, uh, the Central African Republic, all of these places, Allah Ta'ala, wherever we know and we don't know, wherever we named, we didn't name, we turn to Allah Ta'ala in repentance and ask for His divine aid, um, that, that that it should reach us like the aid of Allah Ta'ala reached Sayyidina Yunus Alayhi in the belly of the whale, and it should redeem us in this world, and it should redeem us in the, here, in the hereafter, uh, on the day of judgment, a day where entire nations will be thrown into the garbage heap of the fire for their disbelief and for their profligacy and for their sin and for their transgression, that Allah Ta'ala should have mercy on and save us on that day. Wa sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.